In a week <laughs> where we've had a legend, not just on the baseball field, but in Hall of Fame of Life pass away, uh, we've had our 46th President of the United States officially inaugurated in. It feels like it's probably been the quietest it's been in about five years. We've had a interesting week in the world of pro wrestling. Very interesting. Today we will get into a little bit of everything. We'll get into wave four of AEW figures were announced. We'll get into the Royal Rumble and how Adam Pierce clarified air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. The rule. We'll get into SmackDown. We'll get into AEW, NXT, and Raw. And just overall, some interesting stuff here. First, let's hit up. What I just mentioned first, Hank Aaron, Hall of Famer, um, passed away, I believe it was age 86. Let me look that up so I'm not getting that wrong. I have a bad habit of like, yeah, he was 86. I just have a bad habit of like not writing parts of the, parts of the notes down. Kind of like when I used to work in the restaurant business, I would always, instead of writing the whole thing out, because it's whatever the fuck, because people are talking to you a mile a minute. I would come up with like little initials, and that's why I still do my notes today, which is just not smart. But anyways, Hank Aaron was obviously influential on the baseball field, but he was also influential in the pro wrestling field, for those of you guys, or ring, for those of you guys who didn't know. Um, he had a close relationship with Ted Turner, him being a former Brave and all, and he was brought in. And uh, this is a story that I don't know how many people know about this. But I wanted to say this. Um, this is straight out of an article from 411 Mania. But this sums it up perfectly better than I could just word it to you. So, Hank Aaron had a relationship with Ted Turner, which led him to several WCW pay per views. But it was pressure on Turner that caused him to fire Bill Watts. For those of you who didn't know, Bill Watts in 1992 was the executive vice president. What he decided to do in, in 1992 was he would find the wrestlers. Even though Dusty Rose would tell him, you can't find wrestlers. They have agents now. You can't do that. He would also implement old school rules like um, no throwing over the top rope. That's a disqualification. He would take the mats away from the around the ring so these guys would have no reason to jump off the top rope and stuff like this. He would try to discourage that as much as possible just for clarity. Well, in 1991, uh, Bill Watts did an interview um, with PW Torch. It was in a newsletter. This got no headlines at the time. None whatsoever. Now, before this, Hank Aaron and Bill Watts were seen together at uh, an event that they were both supposed to be at. I'm, I believe I have the story right. Hank Aaron didn't know who Bill Watts was. He had no clue. But, you know, Ted really wanted the association because, you know, Turner was still to this day, those stations show baseball. You know, if you grew up in the South or hell, even the freaking, I know, I knew two things when I was coming up. WGN, that was Chicago. You either had Cubs or White Sox. Turner was Atlanta Braves, right? Um, so they're being so associated. Well, Bill Watts had some interesting things to say in this interview 
and Watts said that private business owners should be able to discriminate against queer people and people of color while dropping several homophobic slurs and ranting against roots and racial equality, along with other inappropriate comments about black people. Well, Mark Madden, those of you who watched late 1999-2000 WCW know who that is. He faxed some of these quotes to Hank Aaron from the interview and asked him if he had any comment. But the guy he's standing right next to, by the way, once again, Hank Aaron didn't know Bill Watts. And he said, he have any comment about these? Obviously, needless to say, he wasn't too happy. And he publicly slammed Bill Watts. And then he put pressure on Ted Turner, since you know, Ted wanted him to be a part of it, to eventually fire him which ended up happening later on and here's actually the opening for Eric Bischoff because eventually Ole Anderson replaced him and then after that guess what excuse me Watts replaced Ole Anderson and then Watts got fired and guess who replaced him Eric Bischoff so without these things these comments once again this was done, this interview with Bill Watts was done a full year in advance. It just got no play. It didn't get any play at all. And, and if you guys, if, you, if anyone, well, I think some of my, a lot of my demographic that listens to this show, you guys listen to hip hop. If any of you guys have ever seen any of the beef DVDs, and I believe you can find the beef DVDs on, uh, I'm doing air quotes again, on um, YouTube. Look up Beef 1, just the first Beef DVD, and it is, uh, who is, oh, I'm trying to remember his name, goodness, he had a great line, and I'm looking up now, because that's going to bother me, that's going to bother me, I have to wait now. Come on, no, no. Alright, here we go. Oh, this is Oh, don't do this to me. Show me who's in this mother bleeper. Kumo D. Thank you. I could see his face, but I could not picture it. That was for a show that for a show that you need to constantly talk, that was some dead air. Sorry about that. But Kumo D. He said a great line that I still use to this day. It only takes one heckler. That's all it takes is one heckler. Boy, oh boy, is he right. All it takes was one heckler. Seeing Hank Aaron, legendary Hank Aaron, breaking barriers Hank Aaron, making history from the day he was born to the day he passed away. Hank Aaron, just to fax in those quotes and hear if he had a comment. Boy, oh boy, did the day things not go well for Bill Watts afterwards and I, I, it's funny because I've heard Bill Watts he's always kind of like defended himself saying he wasn't a racist by saying hey I was a guy that put the WCW championship on Ron Simmons which is true I'm the guy that made the Junkyard Dog a star I wouldn't say that Junkyard Dog was a star before you know but he, he gave him the platform you know JYD was a huge star before. Like, I, I can't stress to you guys enough how uh, 
much of a star he was. The WWE had nothing. Those were in the, the later years of his life. He was a mega star. I believe up until WrestleMania 30, the record for the most people inside the Superdome in Louisiana, the main event, the thing that drew them the most, and I don't remember the numbers, but I remember it was the highest grossing thing, highest grossing event wrestling-wise, was Michael P.S. Hayes in the main event versus JYD. What a combination that is. But they JYD was over. And I do know for years, uh, Ernie Ladd was always like his right-hand man, um, Bill Watts. But he's always defending himself against racist claims. But look here, there's been so many shooting interviews I've I've watched and listened. He Look here, I don't know the guy. So I'm not going to sit here and say he's a racist. I don't know. That's up to you to have your own opinion on. But... He, it doesn't look good. So many people have constantly knocked him um, for that, you know, for for supposedly being that being that way. But this shows you the power of just one heckler. That's all it takes. Um, but it's it's just really interesting, just the power he had. And look at think about that. If Mark Madden does not get in his mind, hey, I'm gonna see what Hank Aaron thinks about this. We never may have gotten Eric Bischoff into power, which means we don't get the Monday Night Wars, which means we don't get WCW Nitro, which means we don't get the NWO. We're probably going to still have old school wrestling with Bill Watts. I always think about the breaks you have to catch in life. And I think about football when I think about this. Like when I used to be super into the NFL. And you think if you look at a championship team's run, it takes just some breaks, some things that just don't normally happen in a game. I used to be a huge Saints fan, right? I'm still a Saints fan, but like I don't watch football, so I just can't say I'm a fan. You know what I'm saying? But I look at their 2009 championship, just the things that had to happen. I remember the first game of the year, the Saints versus Matthew Stafford and the Lions. Matthew Stafford's the r- rookie. Drew Brees throws his pass in the first quarter. He throws his pass. It goes through two Detroit Lions hands. Like they both have a shot at the interception. It goes through both of their hands. Lance Moore makes this juggling catch. Beautiful thing. And I remember uh, I was watching the game with somebody. And after that, after that play, they, they were like punching me in my arm. And they were like, yo, you guys are gonna win the Super Bowl. I was like, why are you like and this where did you get that from? He's like, dude. Normally that type of stuff does not happen to you guys. You guys, that's that's picked off and brought and pick six, right? Wait, once again, that's just that's just talking and stuff like that. I get that, but then you look at the the, the game the Saints had against the Redskins, where it was just an improbable comeback. Just I was watching it at a friend's house, a Redskins fan's house, ironically. Needless to say, he wasn't too happy. You know, just just the certain things that happen in a championship run that need to happen and are essential. For people winning their championships. When I'm looking at wrestling, so many things just come, just fall out of place. Look at think about think about this. Hogan retires. He's out of wrestling. Ric Flair then convinces Eric Bischoff, who's now in power. There's no way Eric there's no way Ric Flair convinces Bill Watts of Hulk Hogan. Those two hated each other. Hogan has, to this day, those two hate each other. Hogan has gone on tangents about his hate. That's probably the only time I believe anything Hogan says. That's because he's been consistent with his dislike of freaking Bill Watts. 
But think about this. So many things had to fall into place. With no with this without this faxed information to Hank Aaron, who knew nothing about these comments. None of this happens. He changed the face of WCW. He changed the face of pro wrestling. Which, if we're being honest, is probably a good thing. I, to the same way we're looking at this, I truly believe in 2030, 2040, we're going to look back at that Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega match. And, and at the time, it's just one of the biggest fan service moves of all time. Slash historic moves. And you look at this and you see Jericho cutting this tape promo. Omega accepts. Three weeks later, Jericho's in Japan beating up Omega. The very next week, Jericho's on Monday Night Raw, I think for Raw 25. He was all over the place at that time. But if you look at that, we're going to look at that moment and say, because AEW's here to stay. You know, like, I'm not saying like everything they do. And by the way, I have something to say about Bubba Ray Dudley in a few seconds. I'm not saying I like everything they do, but they're here to stay. They're for real. They're not going to be a ROH. Hell, there's clear impacts here to stay as well. Let's just be honest. Whether you see them as a major, what, it doesn't matter. Impact is here to stay. And I still, I believe AEW is here to stay as well. We're going to look back at this 20, 30 years from now and be like, damn, they changed. Once again, they changed the face of pro wrestling and WWE just couldn't hoard all the talent anymore. They had to do something with them or else they were leaving for greener pastures, New Japan, whatever you want to say. New Japan's coming up still, you know. Um, but without that move, without that facts, ironically, Bill Watts is still in power. What reason would they have had to fire him? Or if they would have fired him, it would have been much later. And who knows if Eric Bischoff would have gotten a job then. But Bill Watts gets fired. Eric Bischoff replaces him. Ric Flair comes back. Ric Flair says, well, if you want to compete, we might need to get Hogan. And think about how many times Ric Flair's been fucked over by Hogan. And Flair is the one that, that helped get one of the most lucrative deals in all of history of pro wrestling or any company. He's through that creative control. But I just, I don't know. I just definitely think it was an important part of wrestling history. Hank Aaron changed the face of wrestling forever. Uh, he just he made history wherever he went. So uh, rest in peace to him. Condolences to him. Um, because we're already kind of like in the news and notes section, let's kind of just stay there for a minute, right? AEW has announced their first match for the next pay-per-view next month, Revolution. They will have Sting and Darby Allen in a street fight versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I don't know if this is going to be in cinematic match if it's not i don't know this i'm looking forward to it i want to see how they're going to protect sting they have, and they have the right guy in there i would have to imagine cage is going to mainly fight with darby and starks is going to mainly fight with sting starks can bump his butt off all over the place so this is going to be interesting i i can't imagine them losing sting and darby however i how can they win i mean like, like team taz is pretty stacked and, I, and I'm wondering who would come out to help. I guess Cody would, you know. But, I mean, still, like, I, I hope they don't do a deal where Sting and Darby beat all Team Taz. You know, I know they don't want Sting to lose already, but, I mean, I, I hope it's as realistic as it can be. Um, Brian Alvarez is reporting that 
Casey Canzaro and Carter. They're the new tag team that just did the upset of the year so far. Um, they're about to turn heel, and they've been they've been doing some heelish things. We're gonna get to them in a second in, in, in NXT um, in NXT notes, but they've been uh, doing some heelish things for a couple weeks now. Fastlane was announced to happen March 21st, two weeks before WrestleMania. I think this is the first time a pay-per-view was two weeks before Mania. That's a lot. We have the Rumble coming up next Sunday, by the way. Note. Um, I will... Next Sunday will be the Monday show. Just a little program alert. Normally the shows are Mondays and Wednesdays, right? Next week, the Monday show will be on Sunday. And the full Royal Rumble pay-per-view breakdown will be on Monday. So you'll get extra content to end up to end the month. So February 1st, you will have the Royal Rumble breakdown. But that Monday show will be on Sunday. The best way you can figure all this stuff out is just by subscribing and following on whatever platform you use for streaming services. Um, but and I, we will get to some Royal Rumble stuff later on this evening. Um, later on today, I did a best moments, which we will have today, and the best Royal Rumbles to next 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 week. Um, so just look out for that. But um, I. That's a lot. So you have the Royal Rumble. Then you still have Elimination Chamber next month. Then you have Fastlane. Then this. And by the way, no, I'm not doing a review of fucking Fastlane. That's going to be WrestleMania light. And WrestleMania is two nights this year still. And by the way, they want to do four premier matches. Apparently, John Cena, John freaking Cena and Goldberg are locked in. Um, I have no clue what you do with either one of them. I hope once he loses, Goldberg loses to Drew McIntyre, he just face, I'll put Goldberg and Cena together. Um, because the match, the one match that Cena wants, he's not going to get. And that's the one he's been saying he wanted with Velveteen Dream, but Velveteen Dream's barely been on TV. He's just been, I think Triple H said it best. He's, he's had some immaturity issues. Um, but uh, WrestleVote said that Cena and Goldberg are locks. So, and they want four premier matches. I don't know what you do with either. Give me a few weeks and I'll think of something. Um, but now that Cena's in, I guess I don't know his schedule. But I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up at the Royal Rumble and that's how we set up his match for Mania. Whoever eliminates him is how we get to Mania. So that's going to be you know, interesting. Um, WrestleMania. They would like to have 25,000 fans in attendance. Ironically, the Super Bowl only have 15,000, so do with that information what you will. Um, I think it's very much possible to get that many people there. Uh, I'm sure people are still going to be crazy enough to travel. Also, let's remember, some, a lot of people have gotten started to get you know, these COVID shots. So if they have these COVID shots, they may feel like, hey, I can go traveling now. I can do these things. You know, Some people, I know my sister-in-law, for example, has gotten both of her doses already. She's a frontline worker. Um, so... Um, I would not be surprised at that at all. Um, Adam Pierce, what I said a few minutes ago, he clarified the Rumble rules and how you declare and how you don't. He said apparently the management has a list of people who are who can declare, and it's a list of people who can't declare. He says he doesn't make the rules up; he just enforces them. All this came about because two weeks ago, Drew Gulak. 
declared himself, and he said, you can't just declare yourself. But if you win your match against AJ Styles, you're in. Needless to say, spoiler alert, he did not win. Um, This is the dumbest thing ever. People have been declaring forever. And we've had some people who have not been A-list people declare for the Rumble. You know, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Do I want to see Drew Gulak take up a spot in the Rumble? No. Me, personally, I've always... What I used to do when I used to, when I used to buy WWE games, when they were good... I would make up my own Royal Rumble and I would just like watch it play out, but I would get all heavyweights. So it's like every elimination means something as opposed to just having these, I don't want to say jobbers, but instead of having Hulk Hogan and then all of a sudden you have an Xavier Woods. We know Xavier Woods is not winning, right? So why is he in the Rumble? Every to me, Royal Rumble should have 30, all 30, and I get you have a, a number of surprises, I, blah, blah, I get all that. But if we were just to have a serious Royal Rumble, to me, and that's what made 92 so special. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really felt like, once it got down to that final 10, you're like, holy crap, who's going to win? Even even when Piper just won the Intercontinental Championship, you're like, I don't know. He can win this t- title, too. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. I just think, it, I, but also it's my favorite pay-per-view, so I'm very, 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 very biased, you know? Um, but yeah, that's when even when he said it on TV, I was like, "This is so dumb." Like they can't stay. Imagine this: Marvel MCU has been in continuity for ten years, with maybe one miss as far as like what's in continuity and what's not in continuity. And that's the Incredible Hulk. These guys can't stay in continuity for three freaking hours. Terrible, 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 terrible. Anyways. Let's get to some other some other news. Um, Dark Side of the Ring announced the first seven episodes. I believe it will only be seven episodes. And for those of you who don't, Vice has a free app. It's on. I know for a fact it's on Roku because I have it. But I believe it's a free app on on your phone as well, where you can watch these shows for free. Or when these shows these shows are such big hits that they're all over YouTube. Like anytime one gets taken down, like ten pop up, and they're the full episodes. Um, I'm not advocating stealing it. I'm just letting you know that Vice does have a free app if you want to download the app and watch it. Yeah, you have to watch commercials too. But you're getting a free show, so boo-hoo to you, I guess. Um, First episode will be about Brian Pillman. Second, about the Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. Third, about XPW. Fourth, about Nick Gage. Fifth, about the WCW New Japan Collision in Korea. Sixth, about the Smith Family. Seven about Bruiser Bedlam. Now, the ones I'm looking forward to is Brian Pillman. I can't imagine, and I'm hoping to do the same thing they did with the, the last year in the first episode, the double episode. I think there's too much to count to, to get involved with Brian Pillman in 42 minutes. I think they're, they're going to need a double episode for this. You can, you can cover 42 minutes in his WCW situation alone. Then you get to WWE, which he was only in for like a year and a half. And most of that time he was injured. He barely wrestled. So I'm looking forward to that one. XPW. XPW kind of came after ECW closed. Um, I'm interested interested to know how that went down completely. And the last one is, uh, last one I'm really interested in is that WCW New Japan uh, Pro Collision in Korea. That was some serious stuff. Like, Ric Flair has gone on record of saying like he was scared for his life, and so I'm I, I've I've read articles, I've tried to watch shoot interviews on it, 
I really can't, haven't found anything. I want to see what people have to say about this. And Steve Austin's already come out to say that he's actually been interviewed for the Brian Pillman one. So I'm really interested about that. Um, Mercedes Martinez spoke for the first time about being in retribution. And she was saying how it just wasn't for her. She said she she thought about it. She And she said, no, nah, I just want to go back to NXT. Let me say something. Mercedes Martinez has always spoken up for herself. I, I would love to actually get a shoot interview from her one day when she's completely done wrestling. Like, if you look at it, right, she is very popular, on, especially on the indie scene. She, she was in AEW for the first All Out, left immediately because she felt a certain way. I, I don't think we've ever really gotten an answer on why she left. She She's clearly never felt like she couldn't speak up because she was the only one to not speak up, I mean, to speak up about not being in retribution. So I just thought that interview was interesting. I, if I was you guys, I would check that out as well. And the last thing before we get into a little SmackDown, Wave 4 of AEW figures was just announced this week. And it was funny because they announced Wave 4, I think it was like on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then it was on Wednesday. And they say, hey, pre-orders coming soon. And then the very next day, pre-orders were live. I was like, holy crap. Um, so Wave 4, I've had a bunch of people ask me my opinion on this. Wave 4 is Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, Ortiz and Santana, Proud and Powerful, Sammy Guevara, and Matt Hardy. So, let me say this. I, I understand why the remakes and the rehashes. So, here's what the way it was explained. When, you did, when they did Wave 1, they were trying to see if, they would, if these figures would sell. Let's be honest, they knew they would sell. So... I guess you have to come at any situation in a, in a more humble light, right? So I guess they were trying to say, all right, even though we we have an idea these may sell, we don't know how well they'll sell. And there's a saying as a as as a collector, peg warmers. You don't want any peg warmers, right? Fair enough. I get that. Um. So I I get that. So when they did wave one, wave one was meant to just honor these characters from all out or double or nothing. That's why you have Cody in his double or nothing gear. Cause I don't think Cody Rhodes wore that gear. They fought his brother in at any other time. I, th- I think Kenny Omega's gear was specific to those events. Jericho, the young bucks. Like I don't think they've worn that gear before. So when they came out with wave three and it was the young bucks again, I was like, why? And then I remember like watching an interview and one of the one of the guy head guys for Jazz Wars said, "Well, these are more in line with what they're talking, what they're doing now." And so my theory is actually right. Like these first few waves, one probably through four, are going to be limited. Like we're not going to see these things ever again, right? Not, they're not going to be up for pre-order, nothing. Like even now, if we look at Ringside Collectibles, Wave One. They're not bringing that back. And they say that they're going to try to bring back Wave 2 for one final pre-order. But, I mean, once these... It feels like once these things hit the store for a couple of shipments, they're done. Right? So, wave that's why Wave 4 has Cody and Kenny Omega's more updated gear. Now, leaked pictures have come out of three of the six figures. Of Matt Hardy, of Kenny Omega, and of Ortiz. Ortiz looks like he has the Puerto Rican flag as a, 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 a as a, as an extra. 
Um, Matt Hardy looks like he's in a variant outfit. And Kenny Omega has a pretty good outfit, too. Now, I don't want a Matt Hardy, mainly because last year, around this time when Hardy left, WWE had just released a Woken, air quotes, version of Matt Hardy. That's a really good figure, and I bought it um, late last year. But it's a really good figure. And I'm just not one of those people that has a bunch of devils of figures. Like, matter of fact, in my car right now, I'm about to take some figures back. Um, but anyways, um, that's why I don't want Matt Hardy. I just I just got to figure him. I don't need an AEW figure. It won't do anything for me. I don't want Kenny Omega because I have two Kenny Omegas already. Like, um, my f- Kenny Omega was the first figure I found on AEW. And I grabbed him. And then, like, when I was when I when I realized that they weren't gonna ship any brandy, I was I, there was this one Kenny Omega at this Walmart, and it was just peg warming for like weeks, and I kept going there, you know, in between working or whatever. I said, you know what, I might as well just take this. It's been here for like it was probably the longest I had seen one up until that point, and it was just by itself. So I just grabbed it. And so so actually, I'm looking at it now. It's actually just hanging on my wall. Um, but I did pre-order. Proud and Powerful, Ortiz and Santana, and Sammy Guevara. The Cody Rhodes I'm on the fence about, because there's these, there are no images of him, but I'm curious on if he's going to come with that TNT Championship. If he comes with that TNT Championship, then I'm all in. And someone said, someone gave me an idea, and I'm thinking about doing it when I'm done recording the show, as a matter of fact. They said, hey, man, you might want to just pre-order him, and then when these images come out, if he isn't at the TNT title, just get rid of it. Uh, just, just cancel the pre-order. And I thought about that, that they can't hurt, you know, because I technically have two Cody's. Because for as long as I seen that Kenny Omega, I saw this Cody at this other Walmart. It wasn't. It was probably a couple weeks as well. And I said, you know what? I'll just grab it and have it hang on my wall. That's pretty cool, you know. And so like right now, the ones I have hang on my wall is Jericho, Omega, Moxley, Cody, Dustin, Adam Page, MJF, Phoenix, and Pentagon. Um, but like. To me, this is another strong wave, but also the second wave that does not have a woman involved. So what I'm thinking they should do and what they probably might do, and I can see them doing it because WWE has never done this or Mattel has never done this. I think they're going to do an all-women's wave. And you have the woman that you have not... You, you Right now, you've only had Riho and Brandy as the two women that have, have action figures. That's it. So you have enough women to do the wave. Enough women who just you have Britt Baker, wave. I said Rio, right? Yeah, you have Britt Baker. You have Sheeta, who is the current women's champion. But Rio actually already had the women's championship come with her, so you don't need to have that as an accessory. So you do Britt Baker. You do Sheeta. You do Nyla Rose. You can do Big Swole. You can do Penelope Ford, and you can do Anna J. Or you can take one of those out and put Tay Conti in there. I would say because Penelope Ford is an AEW kind of like original. As far as like she was there since the beginning. I would do her first. But whatever. You know at that part it's t- it's smick and smack or whatever. Um, but this is it's, this is a strong wave. This is. Um, but we're getting to the point where like I'm. Like I said I'm not interested in another Kenny Omega. Not interested in another Matt Hardy. And like I said, I'm very interested in that Cody Rose, but they haven't leaked any photos of him yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing if these will get any anything leaked on them as far as the photos sooner, more, more sooner than later. Because I don't think, and I did pre-order, I only have one, 
from Wave 3 that I pre-ordered. It was Orange Cassidy. But these figures aren't probably coming to me until like April. It's some awesome. Because ringside collectibles, when you pre-order one, let's say if you pre-order it now, and something says, hey, you'll, you'll get it at the end of the month. But then I pre-order something that is coming out in April. They don't ship that. They ship everything together. So, we'll see about that. But I, but I, I was asked my opinion on the wave. I think it's a really strong wave. I am looking forward to no more. Um, now that we've gotten these guys out the way, the only rehash they could probably do is Jericho. But I'm really looking forward to just moving on to other people. Um, I have no clue who's going to be in Wave 5. I have not this, I have not written that out. Uh, someone asked me to give my, my my thoughts on Wave 5. I will give those next week when I actually write them down and really think about who it, who's there. Because there's, there's so many people that I want to that I'm going to miss out if I do it off the top of my head. But um, anyways, that's the news and notes for right now. Let's talk about SmackDown first. This was an entertaining show in parts. Like, I knew I wasn't watching the obstacle course. So don't ask me about that. The same way we're not talking about that false advertising segment with Miz and Morrison on Raw. Just know that I didn't even watch a second of it. I had no interest in it. Like, even last week when I did the show, in my notes, it said obstacle course. Yeah. I knew I wasn't watching it, um, but I did find this to be interesting. Paul Heyman challenged Adam Pearce. He said, I'm from New York. I'll kick your ass. I thought that was pretty cool. You kind of seen the air quotes swerve coming, but it was still good just to have Paul Heyman not back down. Of course, he's not backing down because look who's standing right next to him. It's freaking Roman Reigns, um, but it was still entertaining. Um, I know some people are not going to like this. But I thought the Sasha Banks Reginald match was 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 entertaining. I thought the cockiness of Reginald um, was more just perfect. He, him pulling the rose out, then him speaking in French, asking for a kiss on the cheek, blocking the first smack, then she smacked the the, ah, the hell out of that guy um, the second time. Um, he clearly has skills. I mean, for those of you who watch NXT, he was on NXT getting beat up by Timothy Thatcher, um, but he's playing his role well. And this guy, this got the job done where it needed to get done. You knew he wasn't winning or anything. And this is just to get to Carmella and whatever happens. I mean, she's not winning. But, I mean, wherever the match. I mean, look, and look here. Carmella had her best match against Sasha Banks uh, a few weeks ago. when they Was it TLC when they wrestled? So, I'm expecting another good match out of them. Big E and Apollo ends with Apollo winning in DQ after Sami Zayn attacks both of them. Sami Zayn had a uh, long storyline where he it was a Sami Zayn conspiracy theory he had his documentary crew he kept having different signs and things were written on the signs and he handcuffed himself to the barricade and like when Big E came out he had written on there not my intercontinental champion it, this was entertaining all the way through I know some people are not gonna be happy with the DQ I would have to assume this is leading to a triple threat match um because Sammy is still very much in this and after he put hands on both of them I have to assume Digger's going to kick his ass. Um, but that can't be a bad triple threat match, though. Apollo Crews, Sami Zayn, and your champion, Big E. Sign me up. And finally, Roman Reigns did the swerve. It wasn't Paul Heyman wrestling him. It was, no, it was Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was beating the hell out of him until Sammy, I mean, until uh, Kevin Owens came out. And then he beat the hell out of uh, Reigns, stunned him a few times. Then he was talking to, to Paul Hayes, and he was talking to some trash. And finally, it ends with a pop-up powerbomb through a table. This last-man-standing match is going to be, obviously, Kevin Owens' last chance at a championship match. There is some interesting news. 
apparently nothing is locked in for mania and i don't see how it could be you still have two more pay-per-views before then i'll spare you the rant but apparently there are two people that they have in mind for roman reigns match at wrestlemania so Daniel Bryan is not a lock as of yet to win the Royal Rumble. I know a lot of people are now thinking that he is the favorite. But apparently, the two other people and Daniel Bryan, so three altogether, are on the list to face Roman Reigns. Nakamura is not one of them. I don't see why he would be. Not at least at WrestleMania. Um, but I'm interested to know those two people. I, I was trying to think about who possibly these two people could be. And on the SmackDown brand, I have no freaking clue. I don't see them fast-tracking Big E. Kevin Owens is going to be out of it. Nakamura is not it. I have no clue. It's been so immersed with Uzi, with Jay and with Kevin Owens that I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm really stuck and I've done some thinking about this. And maybe on next week's show, I'll have a better idea. But I have no freaking clue, dude. I have no clue whatsoever. So, um, anyways, um, I just thought that was some interesting facts to get, to get to you guys. Let's hit up Raw. Um, this was very interesting. Alexa Bliss had already declared for the Royal Rumble. Then she had a main event match against Asuka. Um, she did some Fiend stuff. She pretty much transformed in her, into her into the Fiend. And she, she beat Asuka clean. Um, so... This kind of is weird because she already because she has now pinned the champion, so she should get a championship match. But she's in the Royal Rumble. Then later on in the night, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler said, "Well, they're challenging for the women's tag team championships." So I don't know how. Look here, Oscar's been floundering. Um, it's clear they have no direction for her. I hope she does go into WrestleMania as a champion. She deserves that. Um, but as of right now, and I don't and I don't think Charlotte's in the Royal Rumble yet. I'm assuming she will be. Um, but I Bliss has to get a championship match soon. She pinned the Raw Women's Champion. So um, that was interesting. Randy Orton cut a promo. He had a compression mask on because he was burned uh, thanks to Alexa Bliss. And I said, good for him. He deserved it. When you had a chance to burn her a few weeks ago, I sat there. I literally texted four or five people laughing. Like, oh, if he burned her, I'm all for this. Then he said, well, the fiend changed me. No, 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 dude. You don't have the right to change. Since 2016, 2017, you've done nothing but take, 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 take from this man, Bray Wyatt. You've taken the WWE Championship from him on the grandest stage of them all. You've burned down Sister Abigail's trailer slash home slash whatever the bleep you've broken up the, the remnants of the Wyatt family you burn this man alive and you're tormented and destroyed the firefly funhouse and you want to take it easy when you have a chance to kneel in the throat of your competition no he came up in the ruthless aggression era he should know better so any sympathy they want from this man he gets none absolutely none he deserved to be burned to a freaking crisp, as far as I'm concerned. It's a decent promo. And something is really weird here, because he's in the Royal Rumble match. So, once again, everything's always rumor. I get that. But he's still in the feud here. 
So I would have to imagine if they're not going to do a Firefly Funhouse match at the Royal Rumble, Bray or Alexa has to screw him over, right? That's how you get him at the Rumble because he's not winning a third one. But I mean, I, I don't know. But he's, dude, like you're gonna, you think you're going to get a championship match? Dude, dude you could have, you could have officially killed your competition and you decided to leave him alive. You're not winning any titles until this is over. Dummy. Um, I don't understand what they're doing to her business. Her business is fighting and... Uh, bottom line, Lashley, it was a six-man tag. Lashley's seen that Alexander and Shelton were fighting. He tags himself in, gets a, puts the, 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 the Nelson lock on, wins the match. MVP is sitting there trying to figure out what's going on with these two. I don't get what they're doing. To me, the Hurt Business has been some of the best television, especially when freaking our truth said you guys could eat a big sack of nuts like they just work like to me bobby lash has never been the strongest promo mvp is a really good promo we all know sexual alexander and shelton benjamin are not good promos it's just it just to me it works you know i can actually see but i don't think they're gonna do it but i can see bobby lashley holding the wwe championship and like alexander alexander holding the, the intercontinental title or is it the U.S. title? Whatever, whatever title's on freaking SmackDown. I mean, on Raw. I can see that. This has been some... They've been some of the best parts of Raw. I don't know what, what Vince has against groups or tag teams. But if you have something good, go with it. You've broken up Tucker and Otis. What are they doing right now? We, we haven't seen Tucker since he completely changed his look. Otis never got his revenge. You took his girlfriend from him. From him. Like, all these groups you're breaking up, what are you doing with these talent afterwards? Are you just like, what, what's going on? So I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't like the, where they're going with this. Retribution goes from beating up one black guy that doesn't want to be in their party to other black people. Now they have a problem with New Day. Well, you can't have a problem with New Day because Kofi's out. So they've destroyed Xavier for the last two weeks. So it's like, dude, no no one wants to join your, your village people party. Let it go. I just, I don't know. I have, I've been very patient with Retribution. I think I've been truly nice. This, I don't get where they're going with this. I don't get it, personally. They've had nothing but beef with black teams. The Hurt Business, Ricochet, freaking New Day now. You're trying to tell me something? Um, Styles and Ricochet, speaking of Ricochet, the, the Ricochet is ignorant. Him and his girlfriend are absolutely ignorant. Um, there's a they have Styles and Ricochet. First of all, have great chemistry, but then they their match in so uh, Styles puts him in a suplex position, throws him on the ropes. Ricochet bounces off. Styles catches him into a Styles clash. One, two, three. It was a thing of beauty, and uh, and it was t- I, and it was the second best thing. All week long, I seen for a finish, but it was so beautiful. And if Katie Kanz- Kanazaro wouldn't have done what she did, the ignorant shit she did, which we'll get to in a moment, it would have been top. But oh my god, it was such a beautiful thing. It was so beautiful, so, so beautiful. Anyways, that's raw. NXT. Speaking of Katie Kanazaro, I'm saying her name wrong. Katie Kanazaro. She has her tag team match with Carter. And it's against the interesting team of Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez in the first round of the Dusty Woman's Classic. And with the upset of the year so far, still in January, 
they get the win. And they get the win because of Io Shirai. Io Shirai comes back, completely just throws Mercedes Martinez on, on the, the announce desk, takes her out. Tony Storm's looking like, what the bleep? All of a sudden, they, she gets double teamed. And then KD Canzaro comes off the top rope with a flip 450, something that was so ignorant. So ignorant that I've, I've watched it like five times, and my whole thing was, of course Ricochet has the most flexible girlfriend, and of course she has the most flexible boyfriend. They're both just freaks of nature. And she, got, she gets to win with it. And a fun fact here, because you barely see her win, right? That was only the second time she's pinned someone in NXT. There, I, 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 that's not surprising, but it's still like surprising because you would think that they'll get some throwaway wins or something like that, right? But when I think about it, every time I see her, she's fucking losing. And I don't even know who the first person is she, she pinned. But the fact that she pinned a former woman, uh, I think a, a former May Young Classic winner, former UK champion, it's impressive. But they get to the second round. Um, The matches that are left are... Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell versus Dolan and Jade. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Shafir and Stark. Aaliyah and Camille versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. If I had to take a guess on who's winning, like, first of all, we already told you that they're turning heel. I I would have to think of the... I don't know who's going to win this. I'm I, I'm actually going to... I'm obviously... Here's my thing. I'm going to say Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon win their first round match, and then defeat Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell to go to the finals. Now, I have to think Casey Kanzaro and Carter are going to get to the next round, to get to the finals as well. And I'm going to go with Shotzi and Ember Moon to win it. And I think that will be the impetus for them to go full heel and then beat down Shotzi and, and Ember Moon at the end of it. I think that's going to be the next thing. I just don't see Dakota Kai and, Ra- and Raquel Gonzalez winning just because Raquel Gonzalez is clearly... In line to win that NXT Women's Championship. When she's going to do it, I don't know. Because Mercedes Martinez is clearly getting the next title shot at Valentine, on Valentine's Day. So, um, But I don't know. It's, it should be interesting to watch. Um, Lucha House Party was another big upset. No, they advanced in the Dusty Classic, but there's no way they're winning it. But they had another upset. But not as much. Because at least Lucha House Party's been on the main roster. And done something with that. Like, to get your second pin... And it's been a couple years, three, four years. Yeah, that's that's more of an upset to me. Kushida and Ruff, they advanced by pinning the way. And Kushida I pinned Johnny Gargano. So, yeah, it's like we thought. He's getting the next North American Championship match. That is going to be one hell of a match. I'm looking forward to it personally, and you should as well. And finally... In uh, in uh, the, the the we finally get the the pit fight match, and Timothy Thatcher makes Tommaso Ciampa tap out. He made a former tag team champion, former NXT champion, tap out in his signature match. And at the end of it, I love the, the story they told. Ciampa getting medical treatment. He said, and and the doctor says, "No, you're fine. You just need some rest." So he goes outside and he, he sees Thatcher and he says, "Hey, man, you could have broke my leg. Why didn't you?" That you said, respect. And as he's walking away, Champa said, hey, man, there's a spot open in the Dusty Classic. That you just looks, nods his head, yeah. Now, the reason there's a spot open in the men's Dusty Classic, you're asking, is because Karrion Cross absolutely s- destroyed 
Adonis. And because of that, him and his tag team partner were taken out. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Karrion Cross. I would have to assume Karrion Cross. I know a lot of people are thinking that Finn Balor's time, title is on uh, borrowed time. I think it's more because of his match with Pete Dunne. Not because of Karrion. I would have to assume Karrion Cross and Scarlett are psh, main roster bound. Um, if they're not debuting at the Royal Rumble, I would have to assume at least after WrestleMania they're going to be there. I don't think he's getting that NXT Championship again. Um, I'll be stunned if Vince McMahon allowed Karrion Cross to stay down at NXT. He's he's his look with Scarlett is perfect for what Vince. Vince has orgasms over guys that with that size and with blondes that hot. So I don't think he's getting that, eight, that NXT Championship back anytime. And the last thing I want to talk about is. Finn Balor is so intense. Like, he went to William Regal, said, I want done, but if I have to go through Owen and, Owen and Lurk, I'll, Lurch, I'll get them. Regal says, no, I can't let you do it by yourself. You need a partner. He then busts into the UE locker room, and he, and he's ta- he needs a partner, and he's talking shit. He says, uh, are you down? Or you're too busy, too busy sticking, uh, just drinking your food through a straw uh, where... Uh, Roddy gets pissed off and uh, Cole has to calm him down. And then Kyle says calmly, yeah, I'll be there, champ. So now the two guys who've had these two classic matches have to team up to take down their mutual enemy. That match with Pete Dunne is going to be amazing. But Finn Balor's on another fucking level right now. Like, to me, he is Triple H is showing. And by the way, don't think I didn't notice that Roddy called him Prince. Don't think I didn't notice that. I don't think I didn't notice that. But Triple H is showing Vince McMahon, this is what you can do with Finn Balor when you don't have him just smiling all the time. And Finn Balor, let's not forget, and I said this last week, he has a classic WrestleMania match to his name in that triple threat match against Seth Rollins and The Miz. So it's not, and he also has that classic match against AJ Styles. But. Finn is just on, I don't know, that's the best way I can put it, Finn is just on another fucking level right now, and I'm all for it. I'm like, I haven't been this hyped for him since he, his first go-around in NXT. Like, once he got up to the main roster and he went in, and he got injured after that, I was like, oh, he's kind of fucked. But, I, dude, he's on another level right now, and I'm all for it. Let's hit up, let's go to Impact first, and we'll end with AEW. Impact had some visitors this week. Private party who's been so hesitant to the, to turn heel and get it more aggressive because Matt Hardy's been saying, hey, man, you, you need to get more aggressive, man. You know, they became the number one contenders for the Good Brothers Impact Tag Team Championships. Thanks a lot. Thanks in part to Jerry Lynn getting involved in their match. I love that they put Jerry Lynn in that and that just anything with Jerry Lynn is awesome. But private party had an eventful week getting the number one contendership and then turning full fledged heel. How about that? Now we can talk about some AEW as well, just since we're already on, on it. Matt Hardy and Private Party had a six-man tag against Matt Seidel and Top Flight. Hardy was doing his best to say, hey, guys, you guys need to be more aggressive. When you guys were aggressive last night at Impact, you guys became the number one contenders, right? He's he's begging these guys to do this. Finally, towards the end of the match, one of them, I can't remember the, the name of him, he he, he nails one of them with, uh, he nails one of uh, Top Flight with a steel chair, and then all of a sudden, you see the tag team partners look down in surprise. He's like, oh, and, and, and the smiles come. Then they get the victory. So they're full-fledged heels and number one contest for impact titles. I don't think they're beating the Good Brothers, 
But I'm telling you, one of those Impact Championships is going to be on AEW television. And I, I, would have to, I know some people have been hesitant to think that Rich Swan will lose. I don't think it hurts if they trade the belts. Some people say they don't like that. I get that. I don't think it hurts if they trade the belts uh, at least one time. Like, Kenny wins, holds the belt for a little bit, and then gets screwed out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't have to lose clean. He, he's gonna get, Moxie will screw him out of it or whatever. Um, but I'm interested to see that. Uh, Moxie got a win on this match. Uh, and on this, on this night, Cody defeated Avalon. Oh, Cody gave him a little bit more than I was. I was surprised he gave him, he gave him a little bit more than I was expecting. He did win the with the figure four though. Um, Hangman Adam Page turns down the Dark Order, which we kind of saw coming. He says, "Man, I can't do it. You know, I've done the group thing. It doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. You know." So he gave John Silver and the Dark Order the "It's not you, it's me" line. It's kind of rough, man. Kind of rough to. Give that line, man. Like like a uh, good old uh, George Costanza said, you don't give my line to me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> so um, that's tough, man. That's a tough way to go. I, I do love what they're doing with the Young Bucks and with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega and Don Callis are just full of themselves. They have this big oil painting with Don Callis with abs, which is hilarious. And Don Callis is trying to pay off the bucks to to never talk to Kenny Omega again. He says the good brothers are good for him. You guys aren't. He tried to pay him off. They said this is twelve years of friendship. How dare you? Blah blah. And they beat the crap out of him. Kenny Omega then um, freaking comes in. He sees that Don Callis is beat down. He actually did it. Don Callis tries to air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. Pretend like he was not going to snitch on these guys. And boy oh boy, he snitches so fast. Um, but then later in the night, we see something interesting. After pretty much Moxley calls out everybody, he says, I'm, he says, you made it more fun. I'm going to war with everybody. You see Penta getting beat up by the Good Brothers and by Kenny Omega. So Tony Comics a match, the main event for Beach Break, or Beach Blast, excuse me, is going to be Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, versus John Moxley, Pac, and fucking Ray Phoenix. What a match that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where, and also, first of all, let's get to um, Marvez. He literally is everywhere. Like, the Bucks are going into Kenny's house. Marvez is there. Like, what are you doing here? Marvez then goes into the bathroom trying to interview. It's, it's I love how he's just everywhere. And they keep asking, where are you? And he, why are you here? He's like, I'm, I'm here. And and and, um, and and it's just like, dude, you know, like it's just it's just to me, it's just entertaining. You know what I'm saying? Just I, I did find that funny. I know because it's, it's highly real, unrealistic, but it's like one of those things where it's like some people do find a way, you know, um, Miro. And this made me laugh. I'm, I'm, I don't know why this made me laugh, but Miro came out um with uh, because Penelope before had a match against Layla Hirsch, which she won thanks to cheating from a. Uh, from from the outside, well, the entire time they're calling Ch- Chuck Taylor, they're calling him Charles Taylor. And I'm like, why do they keep? I, I give, I, I know what they're doing because he's a butler now, right? But they kept saying Chuck, no Charles Taylor, and they're trying to make it sound so sophisticated. It was like, no, this dude's being held against his will, dude. Clearly, so Miro looks in the audience. Orange Cassie's in the audience. He says, "Hey, man, Charles, <laughs> you need to tell him that you, I'm your best friend now." 
So Orange Cassidy stands up, takes off his glasses. And so he's in Chuck Taylor, Charles Taylor says, Miro's my best friend now. <laughs> it's so dejected. And they've essentially broken up the best friends for another three weeks. I, w- I can't imagine Beach Blast or Beach Break, whatever it's fucking called. I can't imagine that wedding going off with a hitch. I would have to think Charles and Orange Cassidy are going to completely screw these guys over. Because that's when this whole Butler thing ends. So I'm, I would have to imagine they're going to so F over that wedding of Penelope Ford. Um, this, this is all interesting. The, the main event, I was into it until it was clear they, was, they were rushing because they had no more time. And like, because I loved everything they were doing at first, right? Then it went to commercial break, came back, it was like 7.53. I'm on Mountain Time. So I'm like, oh, they have like six minutes to finish this up. And they were still taking their time pretty much, but it was entertaining to me. All of a sudden, they got to 7.57. Everything is rushed. And Jericho botched the hell out of a line salt, which I've never seen him do. He literally went up, and you could tell he was rushing so much that I, I know he just did the line salt like two weeks ago, so we know he can do it. But they were rushing to do these spots so fast that it was like he, he couldn't, he could barely do it. And he put one foot up, then he got another foot up and did a terrible moonsault. But it was like, I mean, someone, I think it was Jonathan Esther hit me up and said, why why are main event talents botching shit? I said, no. Look, I said, look at that match. It was super fucking rushed at the end because they were running out of town, time and they had, to, they had the hard 10 o'clock end. So that was on them. You know what I'm saying? I think they need to start their main events at least at 745. So that way, if they're going to give, if they're going to get about 10 to 11 minutes and you know you have a commercial break. So you have that three, four minutes for commercial. So by the time you come back, you can get all your shit in. But I was into this match until it just had to speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up. Speed up. And all of a sudden, it just it just looked terrible. And Sammy, and Sammy Guevara showed his fucking ass off in this match. So um, it, it, it was entertaining. And by the way, Jericho and MJF won. MJF at first won no par Sammy in this match. And he was like, it was Sammy and MJF starting. Then MJF looks at Jericho and says, hey, you want, you want, oh, I hear you, you want to get in, cool. He tags himself, he tags himself out. But in the end, it was Sammy Guevara holding, uh, having his tights held and MJF winning. Um, to me, this, once again, when, when crowds come back, I can't imagine this MJF match and Sammy Guevara match is not going to have so much heat, so much passion in it. Sammy Guevara is going to kick his butt. Um, but I was enjoying the main event until it got rushed. I could tell when it was getting rushed. I was like, oh, this is not good, you know, but, um, I'm looking forward to beach break, um, beach blast, whatever it's called. Um, but only one match has been announced for revolution. That's next month. It's a street fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. And if, if any impact talents, I I, I would have to assume the good brothers are going to defend the impact world titles, tag team titles on that show on revolution. Uh, cause they just had their pay-per-view. So I would have to assume they're going to do that. And maybe the good brothers get a win there. Um, but overall, this was a, a nice week in, uh, in, in wrestling. Unfortunate loss of Hank Aaron, but I would do some extra content this week at the end of this show. Um, we're doing, like I said, the la- next two weeks, we're doing the best Royal Rumble moment and the best Royal Rumble elimination. So that's what you have up next. So enjoy that. Enjoy your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. This week on Wednesday, I actually have a show we're going to do. We're going to do a review of Watchmen, the HBO series. So look forward to that on Wednesday. We're out. Till you're going to hear DJ Scratch, and then it's going to be out. So sorry about that.
Hey, so let's preference this by saying this is just fun, just something to do to honor the, the month of the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite pay-per-view. I said this several times in the show already. I have 40-something shows we've done that I was able to go to one last, the one last year, which was a really good one. The men's and the women's was awesome. Um, it was really cool, especially had the, the seats I had and to see everything and to hear the countdown. So I was finally able to go to one, so it was freaking awesome. And I got this idea because I was watching a video on YouTube from WrestleTalk. And WrestleTalk was had made comment of the Mount Rushmore of eliminations. I said, that is a cool thing to talk about. So I figured for the rest of January, we have, what, two shows left? Well, two wrestling shows left, I guess, right? Oh, no, let's look. Um, and see, let's look at, actually look at calendar and get this right. So as I'm talking about this, yeah, we have two wrestling shows left until the, until, no, whatever. I figure, and since one show is actually dropping on Royal Rumble Sunday, I said, you know what? Let's just do this to where this week we'll do the four that, cause Mount Rushmore is four people on it. The Mount Rushmore of eliminations. Now these eliminations are just fun eliminations like you can say surprising you can say whatever you want to say they just are the ones that stand out the most to me and there's so many to choose from but i just couldn't you know uh i just couldn't if, if, if i couldn't go without these four though and then the following week we will do the top 10 royal rumble moments and and I think that would be a little fun list to put together. Um, but let's start off with the Mount Rush. But let's do some honorable mentions first. One is Sheamus being eliminated by Heath Slater. Now this is the Royal Rumble. I think it's 2018, where Nakamura won. And so it was a really good Rumble. And so I actually revisited it for the first time after watching that Wrestle Talk YouTube video. And I forgot about this moment where Heath Slater comes out and Heath Slater was super over. This is when he had the I Got Kids t-shirt and it ended up getting him from being on no brand to a to SmackDown to the Tag Team Championships. Um, it was a great story they told. It was a great story. Heath Slater really was over. Well, in this Rumble, um, Heath Slater hadn't even made it into the match. Baron Corbin got eliminated and Baron Corbin clotheslined him and Every every person that came out after that would just like look at Heath Slater, kick him or punch him or something, and then run into the ring. No one actually had picked him up and threw him in the ring. So the entire time, Heath Slater's just crawling, but he keeps getting hit as he's going. Finally, Sheamus walks out. He looks in the ring, looks at Heath Slater. He finally just picks him up and throws him in the match. And so as soon as Sheamus comes in, Heath Slater eliminates him. <laughs> so, it was like, so he was in the ring for like a second. So it was just one of those great moments because... Sheamus had that long-ass mohawk, the big-ass mohawk. It was just funny as hell. It was just like a great comeuppance moment. It was like, it was just, it came, it came out of nowhere. You know, no one expected it. But also at the same time, it was just like, hold on a second. Is that why no one, like, it's just, it's just, if you think about it, everyone else who had picked, just, just kicked him, it was just, whatever, just disrespect. Sheamus is sitting here just like, I'll just throw you in the ring, whatever, get rid of you. And he ended up getting rid of him. So that was, that was uh, interesting. Um, another one 
The next two are by Kane after we're going to get to the Mount Rushmore. Um, Santino running out to the ring. You hear his music. He comes out with determination. And then literally one second, Kane just eliminates him. And he, he gets on his knee. The fans go crazy. He's like, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. It was just hilarious. Um, and then the next one was, I believe it was 2007, ECW's first time ever being added to the Royal Rumble. Uh, Sabu had come out, set up a table and everything. And Kane later on chokes him through the table. And Sabu and tables are like Kevin Owens and ladders. They If they set them up, they're usually going through them. That's just the way it is. That's wrestling 101. That's in the handbook. <laughs> it's like in page 12, uh, rule 45. So that's just funny. Anyways, my Mount Rushmore of eliminations. Let's start with number four. Royal Rumble 2000. Rikishi was the diesel spied in this. And he was over. My God, he was over. Him and Too Cool was over. So Rikishi's in his own. So out comes Brian Christopher. And all of a sudden... Brian Chris was trying to dap him up. Hey, we're brothers. He's just like, nah, this, this is every man for himself. I'm looking to get that title match. It was like, oh. And all of a sudden, Brian Chris was like looking around and he's backing up. And all of a sudden, out next comes Sky Too Hottie, ironically. And he has the glasses. And so, like, he's walking, he's running around the ring. And he's getting the crowd. They're, they're in Madison Square Garden. He's getting the crowd to, 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 to do the clap. And so, and so Jerry Lawler's like, they're not going to dance, are they? And literally, in the middle of the Royal Rumble, they do their dance. And it was, and every the music was perfect, the crowd was perfect. It was just the per, it, it it just if you didn't like this moment, you just don't like having fun. And then uh, Sky Too High does the worm. Brian Chris was doing his bad dancing, and all of a sudden, the camera pans out, and as the camera pans out, Rikishi clotheslines. Both of them. And then he eliminates both of them at the same time. And it was just, it, it was so funny, so enjoyable. I was like, yo, he just went from the biggest baby face to the biggest heel back to the biggest baby face again. Cause everyone understood it was, or he, cause he looked at me and said, come on, guys, every man for himself. And they understood, they dapped up or whatever. And then he went back to dancing and the crowd was still into it. And it was just one of the best moments in Royal Rumble history. I don't think. You can call yourself a fan of that match and not like that moment. It was just a fun moment. But those that, that elimination was great. Number three. This is also from the 2000 Royal Rumble. This person wasn't actually in the Royal Rumble, though. So uh, up until the Royal Rumble this year, there was a bunch of people like Takamichinuku, Funaki, a bunch of people who were mad that they weren't able to, to be entered. So they had this plan to ruin the Royal Rumble. And they did cause a few a few eliminations because they were just getting in people's way. Well, at one point, I can't remember who it was, but Taka gets thrown over the top rope and he hits his face. Like, it's one thing to hit those mats. We still know it hurts. But he couldn't even protect himself. He got tossed over. I think it was just the speed in which he got tossed out. His He couldn't stop himself or put really put his face over because he had his hands on the ropes and all of a sudden he just went boom. And he, I, he broke his face. And literally Jerry Lawler is asking to see a replay. Like maybe... I think he asked like, see, like three or four times. 
And it was the funniest thing because he is like so different. It's like, what about that Chinaman? He, and King's like, and, and, and um, Jared's like, he's not Chinaman. <laughs> Whatever. He's Japanese. He's like, watch well, the DC replay. <laughs> and you see it like three or four more times. And then they do it in slow motion. <laughs> Um, after that, you didn't see Taka come out anymore. I think he legitimately went to the hospital. Uh, Funaki came out one more time, but it didn't have the same impact. But my God, was that... Like I said, this is, this is, this is just fun. But like I said, they did cause some eliminations because they just got in everyone's freaking way. Number two. This is from 2002. This is probably the most famous elimination moment of all time. You would have thought they made a star... This is when Undertaker's in his big evil phase. He's destroying everyone going. He has his back turned, and all of a sudden, Maven drop kicks him over the top rope, eliminates him. The crowd goes wild. I can't imagine. I just, I remember thinking to myself, like, the fans will actually like Maven. Like, you would have thought he was going to be the next big thing. Unfortunately, I think he had some some issues, personal issues, um, which de- derailed him. But my God, that is a moment that is going to last forever. It, that was executed perfectly. And the way Undertaker went over the top rope, like his neck even caught under the bottom rope. He was like, and then the look on his face made him pay for it because he got, he got beat. He got, they, Undertaker beat the, the hell out of this kid. But um, it's still probably the greatest Royal Rumble elimination of all time. It's definitely the most shocking elimination of all time i don't think anything can top that i know there's been a couple times they tried to do it i think when mustafa ali eliminates mode that's never going to be the same maven just came from tough enough he was a nobody the he just there was just nothing there and literally him for him to eliminate a former champion someone the statue of Undertaker, it just wasn't heard of at that time now they try to do that once every now and then but it just wasn't heard of and finally, number one on my Mount Rushmore of eliminations was, I love this to this day, and I know someone, I can't remember who it was, I was talking to, I was at a wrestling show one time, and Paul London was there, it's 2005, and um, yeah, Paul London was like a special guest somewhere, wherever this wrestling show was, and I was sitting down next to my, he got his autograph, I didn't get his autograph, and he was like, um, hey, want to hear something cool? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And he was like, yeah, I was talking to, to, to Paul London, and he said he got so much heat for this. And if you see this, you can imagine. So Paul London's in the Rumble. He's on the, the outside. He's on the apron. Snitsky's trying his best to limit him, but he's just like a little gnat. It's not annoying him. So finally, Snitsky goes for a clothesline. Paul London ducks. He goes for another one. He connects, and Paul London does this uh, backflip and just hits on the outside. Apparently, from what this guy told me, Paul London said, oh, I didn't get hurt physically, but I got so much heat for that spot when I came in back. People were pissed at me. And I was like, you know what's funny? I can actually believe that. Um, but this was a great elimination. And the crowd, you, you, just like no one's expecting anything like that. And like as soon as you see, as soon as you see the clothesline from Schnitzky and you see him flipping the crowd, it's like it's like the crowd could see and feel what was a what was happening without knowing what's happening because the crowd just erect just immediately reacted it was like i think they were like in san jose or something like that um i think it was san jose in 2005 but when stinsky him he's like it's like like, oh and he lands and like it's funny because taka kind of landed the same way 
Except like you could, it was it was a clear difference. Like you could tell when Taco hit his face, it wasn't it was hard, but like it was just a great visual. But it's funny because I think back to that Austin podcast with Vince McMahon when he said when Vince said, "Don't get anyone angry here." Like it's so easy. It's it's like it's like making a comment about Eminem or Dr. Dre with those two being like very uh, sensitive. It's kind of just like, dude, you say something, you know you're going to get some heat. <laughs> or you do something that's out of pocket, you know you're going to get some heat. And even if you don't do anything out of pocket, let's say you just give your opinion, you're going to get heat, right? That's how these guys are. Like, that's how, that's how these guys are in WWE. Like, you could do it. You, you could sit there and just do a great bump like that. You're probably, and once again, he probably didn't need to put his body on the line like he did. But I, I, I don't think he wouldn't have done it if he wasn't going to be safe. Like, to me, those matches that him and Brian Kendrick had when they were tag team champions, and I still believe... They were the longest-running SmackDown Tag Team Champions until the New Day broke that record, I believe. Um, but they had a hell of a run in the Tag Team Division in, like, 2007, I believe it was. They had a hell of a Tag Team Championship run. It was very underrated. No one talks about it. They should talk more about it. But they did more dangerous things then than that flip. But it was just a great elimination. So, anyways... I hope you guys enjoyed this. I it, this was just meant to be fun. Like I said, it's if you guys need to debate about it, then you guys need to keep it in your pants, dude. It's really not that serious. I'm just sure you. I'm sure you guys could think of other fun eliminations that I didn't think of, but those were the four that came to my mind. Well, seven altogether, but like those three honorable mentions. But um, those four in particular, I just I just think they're they're fun or whatever. So, anyways, that is the show for this week, and we are out.